Our reading this morning is in Ephesians chapter 5. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the, to God the Father, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Thank you, Sharon. Good morning. All right, I want to start off by asking you all a question. Who wants to be a millionaire? All right, uh, perhaps you're familiar with that television game show. In fact, it's one of the highest rated game shows in American television history. Uh, I understand it's still airing. I think they're into their fourth or fifth guest host or, or, or host for the show. Uh, if you're not familiar with the show, the premise of this game show is rather simple. If a contestant correctly answers 15 consecutive multiple-choice questions, they win $1 million. And an interesting feature of this game is the fact that the contestant does not have to go it completely alone. At their disposal are three, count them, one, two, three, one-time-use lifelines. There's, first of all, 50-50 where the possible uh, answers are reduced from four down to two. Then there's Ask the Audience, where those who are present there in the studio are polled for their opinion. And finally, there's Phone a Friend, where the contestant can seek the advice from one of several friends. Well, it's this concept, it's this imagery of lifelines that I want us to keep in mind as we go through this portion of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Because you see, as you and I endeavor to live in the light of Christ, there is never any need whatsoever for any of us to go it alone. The question before us today is along this line. Who do we rely upon for input? Where do we turn for trustworthy, even godly direction when your life is on the line? Who is your lifeline? Because the reality is life is not a game. I mean, if you choose the wrong answer on who wants to be a millionaire, you at least go home no worse off than when you arrived. But in life, choices have consequences. I mean, I want you to imagine for a moment a game show called Choices Have Consequences. I mean, a true reality show where if you make the wrong choice, you could wind up having your reputation ruined for the rest of your life. Or you could lose your job, or your spouse, your family, your home, your life's savings, perhaps even your life. So who wants to play? Choices have consequences. 
The reality is we're facing that each and every day of our lives. And that is where more life is not a game. More than a game, life at times is more like a war zone in which we encounter countless minefields. And a question that I think we could answer without much help is this. How many chances do you get to make it through a minefield? Just one wrong move, and that is the end of it. Choices have consequences. Consequences that can be devastating. Consequences that can be long-lasting. Consequences that are even irreversible. And if that is not serious enough, what if we're talking about matters pertaining to eternal life? Matters of heaven and hell. Sin and forgiveness. Faith and non-belief damnation and salvation. Does God really exist? And if so, which God is the one true God? All of a sudden, the consequences of the choices that we make in life are elevated to a whole new level. Make the wrong choice in this category of life, and we could be facing an eternity of utter regret. Perhaps now we're in a better position to really appreciate and take in what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across to us today in our text where Paul writes, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. My friends, the key to truly understanding this portion of Paul's letter to the Ephesians is found in this exhortation where Paul says, understand what the Lord's will is. Now at first we can find ourselves sitting there going, yes, understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what the Lord's will is. What's the Lord's will? What is the Lord's will? What does the Lord have in mind for me? What does the Lord have in mind for you? This is oftentimes a question we find ourselves asking in life. Where do you turn for the Lord's will? Well, my friends, perhaps this is one of those questions that we would do well to rely upon a lifeline. I'm going to suggest here we phone a friend. We call a friend. And since the Apostle Paul's the one who said, understand what the Lord's will is, how about we turn to the Apostle Paul for the answer to this question? And the answer, Paul does not disappoint. In his first letter to Timothy, Paul provides us with awesome insight as to what the Lord's will is for you and for me. Paul writes, God our Savior wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Simply stated, that is God's will for you and for me. In fact, to more fully appreciate our text in Ephesians, we need to take those words of Paul from Timothy and make them a little more personal. God, our Savior, wants you to be saved. God, our Savior, wants me to be saved. 
God our Savior wants everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That is what the Lord's will is for us all. Because my friends, the reality is for each of us that due to sin, our relationship with Almighty God is not only broken, it has been destroyed and trampled underfoot. Due to our own self-seeking, self-serving rebellion and disobedience, you and I deserve nothing from God but His wrath and unending punishment. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans states it simply, the wages of sin is death. Choices have consequences. In Galatians, Paul writes, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. Choices have consequences. But there's good news. Paul writes about the good news as well in his letter to the Romans, where at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even while you and I were foolishly playing around in the minefield of sin, Jesus came along, stepped into that minefield, came over to each of us, picked us up, walked us out of that minefield, and then safely set us down in the lap of our Heavenly Father. He stepped into that minefield so that rather than you and I taking the blast of sin, he could take that blast of sin for us. And that's exactly what he did when he went to the cross of Calvary. In his own body, he absorbed the full explosion of sin and suffered the consequences of that sin when he died on the cross. But whereas neither you nor I could have survived that blast of sin, Jesus not only could, but Jesus did. And he demonstrated his ability to do so by rising again from the dead, victorious over sin, death, and the devil. And thereby he delivered us from the consequences of sin, setting us safely in the lap of our Heavenly Father. And now through faith in Jesus Christ, you and I and everyone who believes in Jesus are not only restored in our relationship with Almighty God, but we are assured of a glorious life with our Father unto eternity. That is what the Lord's will has brought about through Jesus' death and resurrection. So now that we have some insight of what the Lord's will is for each of us, I want to go back to those words of the Apostle Paul where he writes, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I have a very simple question to ask. If Jesus has delivered us from the minefield of sin, 
then what would be the absolute most foolish thing that you or I could now do? Answer me. To go back into the minefield. What's with that? I love the way that the writer of Proverbs puts it. Rather straightforward. Like a dog returns to its vomit. Is a fool who repeats his folly. Not the kind of thing I see myself wanting to do. You? Well, my friends, rather than go back into the minefield of sin, as though it were some kind of playground where, where we aren't going to get hurt, Paul offers us another choice. It's in, in the verses just immediately preceding our text where Paul says, find out what pleases the Lord. I mean, when we consider all that Jesus has done for us to redeem us and to restore us in our relationship with Almighty God, what is the sense of our pursuing those things that could potentially disrupt, even destroy our relationship with our Heavenly Father? Indeed, it would be absolutely unwise, absolutely foolish for us to return to those things that could destroy our relationship with God. And that is the point that the Apostle Paul is trying to make here in our text. This is why he says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We need to have our eyes wide open. We need to have our wits about ourselves to the fact that Satan, the world, and our own sinful flesh will continually to look for any and every opportunity to lure us back into that minefield, to drag us back in, to tempt us into thinking that we can play there and not get hurt, to potentially rob us of the life that Jesus has won for us and restored us in through his death and resurrection, knowing that those moments are going to come, you and I, even now, need to intentionally Make the choice that says, I'm going to do everything I can to avoid those things in life. I'm going to avoid those things that might tempt or negatively influence me in the choices that I make when it comes to sin and the ways of the world. That's why Paul writes, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. I mean, many a bad choice has been made under the influence. How many an individual has stories to tell of moments when they had a little too much to drink and some of the things they said, some of the things they did that were out of control and to this day they continue to regret. In essence, by using that phrase, Paul is saying, don't let anything negatively influence your mind or your thinking or the choices that you make. We should not expect to, to be making good choices when we're under a negative influence. Elsewhere, Paul writes, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We should not expect to find godly advice or godly influence from those who are ignorant or who are opposed to what the Lord's will is for us. What is more, we should not expect to find godly advice from those who blatantly deny what the Lord's will is. Paul writes in, again to Timothy in his second letter to Timothy, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, 
they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Perhaps most importantly of all, we should not expect to find godly advice or influence from our own sinful flesh. How many an individual has made a choice they regret because they decided to go it alone? Twice in the book of Proverbs, we read the exact same words. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Some of the greatest mistakes in life come from our going it alone. And that is where not only do we need to be intentional about wanting to avoid the negative influences in life, but you and I also need to gather around ourselves. We need to seek out those sources from which positive influences will come in our life when it comes to what the Lord's will is. And that is why Paul further writes in our text, instead be filled with the Spirit Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In order to be filled with the Spirit, you and I need to get our fill of the Spirit which comes to us. We get our fill of the Spirit every time we get into God's Word through the gift of worship, every time we remember our baptism, every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. From those means come the positive influences that help us in the choices that we make as to what God's will is. I love Paul's inclusion of music here. And not just music, but singing of song. I mean, studies have shown through the years the powerful influence that music has. I mean, all I have to do is go pop, pop, fizz, fizz, and many of you can go Alka-Seltzer. How old is that commercial? But the power of music associated with the word is a wonderful means to influence, a wonderful means to educate. Think of the power of music when we add God's word to it. That's why music plays such a strong role whenever we get together in worship. And I challenge you, if you're not a singer, be a singer. It is one of the greatest tools of education that we have in our lives uh, to, as far as persuasion. If Christian music isn't a part of your daily life when you're in the car or when you're in your office or in your home, take advantage of it because of the positive influence that it can bring into your life, especially when it comes to making godly choices. Paul then closes this portion of our text where he then says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, look for the godly people that are in your life and rely upon them. Surround godly people the kind of people that who are going to keep you on that path that leads to everlasting life and keep your focus and your trust in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My friends, there are a couple of questions I want to leave you with today that I hope you'll take with you and think about in the coming week. Are there things in my life that I'm relying upon that have a tendency to take me away to draw me away from my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Maybe some of those are things we need to get rid of in our life. And secondly, what are some things I need to add to my life that will draw me closer, not only in my relationship with Almighty God, but also with the wonderful gift of family that He has given to me in His people? As you and I endeavor to live in the light of Christ, who do we rely upon for input? Where do we turn for godly direction? When our life is on the line, who will be our lifeline? A Navy destroyer had been in port for a period of maintenance, and when the work was done, the captain informed uh, a young upward-rising officer that he would have the privilege of manning the helm and taking the ship out of port and into open water. Well, when that day came, the young officer took his position on the helm, smartly dressed, began to call out all the appropriate commands in their appropriate order at their appropriate time, and, and slowly the ship pulled away from the dock, eased its way safely into the center of the channel, and before too long, the ship had cleared the breakwater and now was haze gray and underway. And as the young officer was feeling pretty good about what he just accomplished, all of a sudden, he was handed a note. And it was from the captain. And the note read this. My congratulations on completing your first seaward departure maneuver. It was one of the most impressive and according to the book. However, you overlooked one thing you forgot to make sure that the captain was on board. <laughs> My friends, when it comes to your life, make sure that the captain is on board. And not only that he's on board, but that you're seeking out his wisdom, you're seeking out his direction, you're seeking out his will. Because what is his will for you? What is his will for me? Everlasting life. You may not wind up a millionaire this side of heaven. But with Jesus as your captain, he will lead you with all wisdom unto everlasting life. God grant that to each of us for Jesus' sake. Amen? Amen.